0: Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market Podcast, brought to you by Mountaintop Data. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm Sky Cassidy, and today we'll be talking with Mark Rafan of Content Callout about thought leadership. Mark is the founder and CEO of Content Callout, and they're a B2B content creation agency. He's also an expert in influence, persuasion, and negotiation, and has uh, coached executives and teams and some of the largest companies in the world. Mark, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Sky. I appreciate it, man.
0: I had some weird pauses in the intro, I think, because I was dreading suddenly realizing, I don't know if I got your last name right, which seems to be the first five minutes
1: of every episode these days. I respond to all names uh, equally. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So however you want to... Rafan makes me sound really refined. It's Rafan, mm. but I love Rafan. It sounds me. Mean- Makes me sound foreign and refined and exotic.
0: Mm -hmm. That's that's the exotic you. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's the exotic me. It's my uh, (laughs) my alter ego.
0: You can throw an accent on that; it gets it gets pretty exotic. Yeah,
1: exactly. All right, we
0: have Marco Refan on the (laughs) show today. (laughs) There we go. Talking about thought leadership. Um, So before we get into like, all right, you want to become a thought leader? Here's how to do it. You know, here's the five step process or whatever to to going viral. Um, the first thing I want to touch on is when should a company be thinking about thought leadership? Like, are there situations where it's important in a company's marketing and where it's not like companies that shouldn't and companies that should kind of a type of thing?
1: Yeah. If you want to be a market leader, then you pretty much have to become a thought leader, but if you want to be you know, a mid-level player or a bottom-level player. Then you know you don't probably don't really have to. I, I would suggest to you that if you don't want to be a market level, if you don't want to be a market leader, then why are you doing it anyway? Now, are you so, talking about
0: the individual or the company? Both. Both. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. I think I think if you're if you're a company and you want to be a market leader, then you have to be creating thought leadership content. For your community, for your stakeholders, for your customers, that the requirement to do so is so great these days, because how else do you differentiate yourself in a sea of ah, noisy voices?
0: How else do you differentiate yourself? So that makes me think <clears throat> that the more of a commodity your product or service is, the more you need thought leadership.
1: Oh, definitely definitely absolutely because otherwise there's there's no real requirement for anyone to listen to you you become the same as everyone else right like if, if here's a perfect example we'll just pick a generic type of product supply company like an MRO company where they sell goggles and gloves and safety equipment and stuff. like we can name thousands of those everyone can do that that's not a complex business you know no offense to the mro <laughs> people out there but it's not a complex business to run because it's all it is is inventory warehousing and supply right now if you if you want to differentiate yourself though You've got to have someone leading the charge, showing people why you're a thought leader in the space and what it is that you're driving in terms of thought leadership within that business. I mean, that's why Granger, for example, perfect example within the MRO space, they were the first ones to come up with the whole concept of MRO vending machines. Like no Mm -hmm. one came up with that before. That was their thought leadership that came into that. Now, Now everyone does it, of course, but- You know, that's the kind of stuff that really drives success. So what are you doing to be able to separate yourself from the competition? Now, I mean, if you're one of one. Right. Like there's only one company right. of you. you. Then you still... automatically
0: have the thought leadership. Yeah. Though, you still no have
1: ones. to be a thought leader because there is only one of one of you. Yeah. You're basically creating a whole new category.
0: But it's kind of given to you. You almost don't have to. You earned it by being having unique product. Yes and, and no. now you just have to capitalize on it.
1: Yes and no. Because you yes, you're a thought leader, but you also have to be able to create enough volume and content to be able to create the category to show that people should buy from you. Because if you're one of one, why would anyone buy from you in the first place?
0: Right. I would no one say knows you,
1: that you exist.
0: You you are the product in the category, and you have the opportunity to be the thought leader and grab up all the thought leadership. But you aren't. People don't automatically like find somebody and say like, "Oh, okay, for this product, this must be the guy who knows everything about it." Like you yeah. still have to cultivate your thought leadership a bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, there's only one SERP, right? Like, I mean, for whatever you're trying to rank for. So, and if you don't have the content to be able to support that, no one's going to look to you, right? Mm. Whether it's on search or whether it's on social or wherever you are on the conference circuit, whatever it is that you're trying to do to create that thought leadership profile, you've got to put yourself out there. And this is the thing that a lot of people struggle with, with thought leadership is like, you can't be a thought leader without saying stuff, (laughs) right? Like you've, you've got to be able to say things and you've got to, Unfortunately, some of those things are probably going to be a little bit controversial Hmm. for the audience because there is no other way to really drive consistent thought leadership. You've got to pick a position and go with it. For example, one of the companies that I own is a negotiation training company called Negotiations Ninja. And one of our positions that we took very early on was that win-win negotiations are the biggest lie that have ever been told in the negotiation training world. Now, that rubs a lot of people the wrong way. When they Hmm. hear that, they're like, whoa, hey, I don't know. I don't necessarily. But they're also like,
0: wait, you're going to teach me how to be the winner. Right. right? And
1: then, so they're like, okay, well, what, but what do you mean? I'm like, oh, great. Now we've started a conversation. Mm -hmm. Now we can engage. Now, fortunately enough, we have enough knowledge, skill, and ability and education to be able to back up that statement. So if you're going to be able to drive the thought leadership conversation, you have to be able to hold the conversation as well. Right. So you can't say, yeah, we're going to be a thought leader, but we're not going to say anything new. And we're right. just going to say everything the same. We're just going like, to call ourselves a thought leader. And right. Then what's the point? Stick right? with like, why would you do that? Best practices
0: is our uh, thought leadership method. It makes me think of, uh, you know, a classic one because people recognize who they are. If you take Wozniak and Jobs and you have these two titans within that within that company and industry, well, one of them became a thought leader and the other is kind of because they're so massive known, but. Wozniak didn't really develop any. He wanted to, he didn't want to talk. He didn't want to have, uh, he didn't want to be the face. And
1: and that was good for that partnership because Jobs wanted to be the face.
0: If they both wanted to or didn't want to, you'd be in trouble because you need a thought leader. And if they both want to hide, so you kind of have to have the personality that wants to or is at least willing to put themselves out there it seems
1: yeah and i think there's a willingness factor that comes with that you may not necessarily want to right like there are a lot of people that are shrinking violets and and maybe would rather sit in the shadows and work the operations and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that in fact many successful entrepreneurs are exactly that they that's what they do in fact many marketers are that they're operations professionals right they drive good marketing operations there's nothing wrong with that but if you want to drive if you want to become a thought leader you've got to you've got to be willing to step into the fray you've got to be willing to have the conversations you've got to get on the circuit you've got to put yourself out there you've got to do stuff like this you've got to go on podcasts and have a conversation and 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 generate interest and generate engagement because without that then what are you even doing right then if if that's not something you don't want to do cool pick someone else to do that and coach them to do
0: Hmm. So this uh, is starting to get to the whole grow, rent or buy topic of thought leadership. Like if you have a single person in a startup, then that guy either has to be willing to be a thought leadership or, for God's sakes, maybe find someone else to join your team. Uh, I don't know if there's too many one person startups out there, but you have to find the right person who's willing to do it, has the expertise, I suppose. Um, Well, let's touch on that can you manufacture a thought leader or do they have to already be a leader and have the thoughts and you're just putting it out there?
1: I believe that you can. I believe that you can grow thought leaders within the business, but it comes with a requirement that that person has to be willing to do it because you can't make someone do that, right? Unless they're signing on for that job right at the beginning when they're applying for the work. So if they're willing to do that and they want to do that and they know what's involved with that, yes, you can do that. Because as long as they've got the raw knowledge and the skill set and the ability, you can craft that into something and you can get them up to that level. If it comes to like the, the rent aspect, yeah, you can piggyback off of other thought leadership brands. I mean, that's why people piggyback off of like great consulting companies, for example, right, where they'll... Well, they'll co-publish a paper with a McKinsey or a Boston Consulting Group or a Bain or whomever, right, to try and piggyback off of that brand because we know that that brand is filled with thought leaders. That's what they do. That's what they drive all day. Yes, you can rent that, but it's very, very costly, Mm. very costly, and it may not necessarily get you the situation that you want to get to. And then the next thing becomes buy, which is, I think, the best approach. Hmm. I so think that- buy
0: someone who's already a thought leader, basically you hire them or buy them like a paid influencer or some combination?
1: No. I So, yeah, good question. You can get them as an influencer, but that's more like rent, in my opinion. You can, you, you know, you're kind of taking that second option. What I mean by buy is there is a lot of software companies now that and I think this is so smart that are picking up really credible and influential practitioners within the industry that they sell into and hire them on as advisors or whatever it is their role was. Some
0: role in marketing, like, what do you actually, well, I go to events and I talk and I, yeah, um, that's what they really do, being right? a They spokesperson, go to events, they talk,
1: of. they make introductions. That's what they do. That's their job. They're, they are now the new face. There's a lot of examples for this. Like, for example, there's one company that um, we we're aware of in the procurement industry called Fair Market. They're a procurement software company, and they hired a guy named Greg Tennyson, who was the chief procurement officer of one of their clients that they worked with before. Now, that on the surface doesn't sound all that exciting. But what you got to know about Greg is that he's probably the single most respected chief procurement officer in North America. Right? Like he he was a bleeding right. edge guy for the vast majority of his career.
0: And in his industry, everybody knows, is in name. his
1: industry, he's yeah. like Michael Jordan. Right. Right? Like he was the CPO for Oracle, he was the CPO for All these different organizations and and he comes with a pedigree and an experience and relationships and credibility that people can use like this company is very smartly to their benefit now is greg getting a sweet deal out of it i'm sure he is right he's getting some serious money i'm sure some stock ownership i'm sure some options fantastic good for him they're getting a lot out of it because they've basically bought an influencer that's a heavy hitter within the space and they get all of the benefits that come with that right it just so reminds me of like money.
0: professional sports like some that's of these a, that's once exactly they get to that it
1: level is. it's like they need an agent
0: that's really just selling them as an influencer they're no longer dealing with the actual nuts and bolts of the business. They've just developed this brand and thats it's like, it's like an earned Kim Kardashian.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, this, and that's a great segue, by the way, because you see that in B2C all the time, right? Like B2C is not, it's, it's not unusual to utilize influencers and thought leaders within the B2C space at all, right? Like it's a normal thing. makeup brand buys a Kardashian and gives them part of the company and says, build it up. And then eventually they end up right. Like it's a normal, it's a normal thing.
0: All right. If you want to start one of the commodity things, if you want to start makeup, a clothing line, an alcohol line, it's go out and grab some celebrities, give them a huge piece of it and hope they bring the attention. They bring the free marketing. They bring all their Twitter followers and social media followers and,
1: Right. And so it sounds unusual when you think of it from like a B2B perspective, but it's very normal in the B2C world. Uh-huh. And only now are a few companies starting to catch on. Like, I mean, for example, if, if, uh, if an accounting software like a Sage or a QuickBooks or something like that got a hold of, you know, the chief financial officer at a big player or one of the most well-respected public accountants within a certain region. Like that's a right. no-brainer. That's a no-brainer.
0: Or the person who used to be the chair of the stock exchange or right, government Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Like you've got an like
1: investing app and you pick up someone yeah. who was the, you know, chief portfolio yeah. officer at a mutual fund company. Like no-brainer.
0: Bernie Madoff is now, I mean, no, wait, not that <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, maybe,
1: maybe not him. Maybe not him. Yeah,
0: he'd be the Jared of financial software. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then when you're buying... You kind of have to be careful, like you have to vet the person because Jared from Subway and Bernie Madoff are both great spokespeople. Very well. I mean, Jared was just a, a spokesperson, but uh Madoff very well respected, got away with so much because of everywhere he'd been, all his connections, how respected he was. Um so if you're gonna go and buy an influencer, how do you make sure you're not buying a time bomb? Like, like how much due diligence needs to be done and our influencers ever kind of uh ruined in the vetting process i guess where people find out oh this guy is not the real deal
1: yeah i mean look i think in in some ways The normal hiring process takes care of a lot of that stuff, right? You're going to have your traditional background checks, you're going to have to have all of that stuff that comes with it. But I think you're probably going to have to go a little bit deeper, you're probably going to have to go another layer deeper, just to make sure that, you know, this person is who they actually are. Now, a lot of that can be done through um, social media, because we have that already. And if that already hasn't come to the surface about that person, if there was anything bad, it probably won't. Right. Um, that is to say, of course, you should still do, obviously, your homework. You should. I mean, the made-offs
0: are pretty rare. <laughs> it doesn't very happen rare. every day. Very so.
1: rare, right? I mean, we hear about them because they're rare. And the vast majority of people, if they've built up a career with credibility and they've got clout within that industry, most likely they're an upstanding person. Hmm. So I think a lot of that can be taken care of fairly simply, but that doesn't negate the fact that you should be doing obviously very, very good background check. I'd
0: say it varies from sports in that area, because if you if your job is to be an influencer, you don't have to execute anymore, which means your only job is to be an influencer in sports. You have a player that does something horrific but if they're really fast or can throw the ball really well or whatever it is, it's overlooked and they're back on the field, they're back on the court, like yeah. like nothing ever happened. They're willing to ignore so much because they're doing. But with a business influencer, it's, it's kind of more like an actor where they are themselves to an extent a commodity. And if their reputation is what you're buying, any tarnishing of that, and it doesn't matter too much anymore how many twitter followers they have.
1: Yeah, and I mean in in the context of the B2B landscape, I think it becomes more about your ability to leverage the credibility that you already have. And unfortunately, and this is why it's a good idea and also difficult to do. Getting getting that thought leader is is a good idea. Finding the thought leader is really hard because yes, you can get the person But are they now willing to leverage all of what they've done into becoming that thought leader part of the brand? So do they understand
0: their job of execution is to not just, we've hired you and now we can put your name in an ad. You're not doing a mattress commercial where they just have to say some line. They have to be out there actually. You got to be out there pounding
1: the pavement, shaking hands, kissing babies, doing right. the speeches, being on the podcasts. Influencers got to men. influence. They got to show You've got, up. To, you've got to influence. Exactly.
0: Uh, so there is a job still. They do have to execute still. It's Absolutely. just a different job all of a sudden. Cause it's a, um, like you said, you're out, you're on a campaign all the time. That's you're, right. You're in a, a political campaign for the company. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I want to jump back to something here. The negotiation, this has been sticking in my head, the negotiation ninja, uh, company you have, is it intentional that, I mean, negotiation ninja ninjas are not known for negotiating. It seems like they're more like their style of negotiation is to chop off somebody's head and then flee. Uh, is that what you mean by Negotiation Ninja? Or is it the sneaky part? Are you, is Yeah, it like, honestly, we ne- picked it just because it sounded cool. <laughs> let's negotiate. <laughs> You're dead. Negotiation over. You're like, oh, yeah, wow. I'm a big
1: fan of alliteration, right? right? So that worked for me. I'm a big fan of, of just making things sound cool, right? We thought it sounded cool. And then really um, where we think we differentiate and why, why we really landed on the name, Negotiations Ninja is about planning and strategy and working in the shadows, Um, and making sure that you don't reveal too much too early. Um, And I think a lot of people working in negotiations believe, and this is a nice belief, don't get me wrong, I would love for life to be this way, but they they believe that the counterparty that they're working with is going to be rational and reasonable and fair. And all of those things may not necessarily be true. Not to say that they won't be true, but I would rather you operate under the assumption that the counterparty may not be. Right. If you're lucky
0: and you operate that way, you could survive and have a great deal, but you're probably going to die.
1: Right. Optimally, I'd love for you to be in a situation where everyone's super collaborative and gets along and drives for an outcome that makes sense for both parties and wonderful. But this is not like Boy Scout camp, right? And we're not singing Kumbaya around the fire. That's probably, there's probably going to be information that's going to be withheld from you. There's probably going to be a side deal that you don't know about. There's probably going to be some points that are left off the table to try and influence you later on. So. Knowing that going in and planning for it and preparing for it just makes you more well-prepared so that if that stuff does come along, you are ready.
0: Hmm. A little trust, but verify a little, like you'd hate to walk in the room and also yeah. they've got the negotiation ninja and you're like, oh crap, I'm dead. I guess they won. Uh, <laughs> it reminds me of the negotiations in the movie Fifth Element, where it's just like, let me go negotiate with them. Boom. Okay. Negotiation's over. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, you don't want to fall victim to that kind of negotiation. Okay, that, that was continually bothering me. I couldn't think straight with that picture of how a ninja would negotiate with their sword uh, in, in my mind. Let's get back to the thought leadership thing. So we've covered a little bit the buying a thought leader. Certain companies can afford to do that. Yeah, You've got the startups, which are much more likely to... Um, not not talking about massive investment startups, but uh, maybe they want to just go straight out and buy too and jump the line, but have their founders be building themselves as uh, the influencers, as the thought leaders. But then you've got the ones that also don't, um, they don't have a founder that wants to do that, let's say. Or you have an established company and you don't have and they're looking at it and saying, yeah, we need a thought leader here Who are we going to tap to do this? Um, How does it work if you're just saying like, okay, here's Sarah in marketing. Let's make her a thought leader. And she's like, okay, that's my job. Sounds awesome. Um, So you can, earlier on, you said, yeah, you can make a thought leader. Absolutely. And when I want to get into making it, but one more thing first, what about the danger of like, we made Sarah a thought leader, but we don't own Sarah. She just. Went to our company. Now you're creating this monster that you don't own necessarily.
1: Absolutely. There's always going to be a risk to it, but what is the risk of not doing it? Mm. That's that's my counter to that argument. Because I hear that all the time from founders. They're like, Well, like I'm the technical founder, right? I'm the engineer. I built the software. I don't, I'm not really good at like getting up on stage and speaking to people, and really I'm not willing to do that. I don't want to do that. But Sarah is amazing. She's great with people. She's great at interaction. She's great at engaging. She's an excellent speaker. Like, can't we just do that with Sarah? And I say, yeah, absolutely, you can. And that means that Sarah's product knowledge has to be like next level. And she also has to invest herself into the industry, which means she's got to read endlessly about this industry, like everything she can get her hands on. She's got to read everything about... The, the industry, the technical matters, how things help, all of the competitors with it, she's got to become, in order to become the thought leader, you have to do the things that are required right. to become that thought leader, right? So you got to do the sense, exercise. You actually have to do the <laughs> you exercise. You don't just get exactly. crowned
0: thought leader. Right, the-
1: exactly. There's not just like someone that comes in and knights you, thought leader. Congratulations, Sarah, you are now thought leader. No, you actually have to do that. And yes, we can position you publicly on social media and in, in all of our different media activities as that thought leader. But as soon as you get on stage, you better be able to right. carry that. If you shit the bed, I'm sorry, but uh, it's shows not going to work. It's not going to work. And yes, so, look, we're building Sarah to be this most amazing and incredible thought leader. Wonderful. And if she decides to leave... Sure, she's going to take all of that credibility and all of that influence with her. But my question would be, why would she leave? She's really only going to be leaving for two reasons. Number one, she doesn't like you and the culture that you're building. So is this a culture problem? And then if if there's a culture problem, then let's hold the horses on the thought leadership thing and work on the culture thing first. Or she's getting a better offer from somewhere else, which means that you're probably not paying her competitively. Right. So, or combination the, of the
0: two. Yeah, um, if
1: that's the case, then you know, think about that as, and maybe you're a startup and you can't afford to pay what Sarah will become. But when Sarah becomes that thought leader, make sure the compensation is appropriate for hmm. it. Of course.
0: Also, what we've seen recently is people are more than willing to leave a job they kind of don't like to do nothing even so maybe just yeah well especially in today's market yeah don't be a jerk of an if you're going to develop a thought leader yeah be be cool yeah
1: be a nice person (laughs) right don't be a dick
0: yeah don't don't be a dick that's the main number one takeaway here um what about the situation of doing like a little jay and silent bob uh scenario where you have the technical person and then you have your uh you know you have your uh, DJ Khaled over here. It's like I don't really have any skills or anything. I could, but I can talk like a mofo when I get out there. So, but I need the skills behind me. So can you can you have a influencer team, or maybe you have a founder who's yeah who's part of the influencer team, and then you can plug in the DJ Khaled if that guy leaves and get a absolutely. new one. Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Um, and this is why having a good technical team behind you is really important because if someone wants to get in the weeds, you say, look. I would love to get into the weeds with you. Unfortunately, I'm super busy, but here so, is my technical team, and they can get you right into the weeds as deep as you want to go. Um, say, so we I, the yeah, best,
0: I, and then you point at the actual singer. And yeah, then
1: like, exactly. With <laughs> <laughs> total Caled move. Absolutely. Yeah. It's exactly what it is.
0: We the best. Now you guys do the job. I'm going to stand yeah, exactly. here until I need to yell again, and then boom, back to doing the actual work for you guys.
1: Yeah, okay, exactly. So you can
0: kind of develop a team. And then it, I suppose if it's one of your founders that isn't maybe as personable but can still glean some of the influencer from the other person, maybe grow a little slower, then you could you can swap out that other person if they leave a little easier to, to fill backfill there.
1: Yeah, you can build you can build influencers and thought leaders simultaneously. I mean, if you want to mm-hmm. do that, you absolutely, absolutely can. And it depends. I think you've got to have one voice for each segment that you're marketing into. Uh, So farm league,
0: but don't have like them competing for the...
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, if you have different ICPs that you're reaching out to, like one is healthcare. The other one is logistics. you got one in healthcare and one in logistics. And technically they're going to be someone from a healthcare background or someone from a logistics background. That's got a little, at least a little bit of clout in that industry to be able to push that forward. Hmm.
0: Hmm. So you can have, you have your farm league, but don't have a bunch of competing. Yeah. Don't don't have them
1: competing with each other. I I wouldn't suggest that.
0: Excellent. Um, So Let's get to the meat of it here. You want to develop thought leadership. What are the steps? How do you do it?
1: First, think about who you want to be a thought leader to and what you want to be a thought leader of. Because, you know, just because your company solves a specific problem doesn't mean that you're the thought leader of that solution. You have to be a thought leader within that industry. So, for example... Um, if you have a social media company, then the thought leader that you have within that business is going to have to be a thought leader on a particular platform, uh, LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever, or even social media in general um, within an industry that you're targeting. So think about who you want to be a thought leader of and, and what you want to be a thought leader of and who you're targeting within that. If that's once you've figured that out, then you've got to really, really invest in education and read as much as you can from all of the thought leaders that are already present within that business that may not necessarily be leveraging modern media to position themselves as thought leaders within the space. Mm. Um, This is something that we did for Negotiations Ninja, for example, invested a ton of time, like every waking hour into reading, studying, doing everything we could to be able to understand the industry, the discipline, the people, who the players were, everything.
0: everything you be the Thomas could. Edison of thought leadership where you're you like, just going to go get everybody else's great ideas and Make myself the uh, yeah, not, not to downplay Thomas their Aderson's ideas, not, not but... <laughs> take
1: their ideas, but but understand the industry, understand the business, understand where people's positions are, and what a lot of that is going to do is going to help you to formulate an understanding of where the gaps are, hmm. and those gaps are where you're going to fit. Those I'd also say if their
0: ideas are... are good, for God's sakes, don't ignore them because they're like that guy yeah. said it first. So I can't think that. I, yeah, exactly. I so for good ideas
1: first step, think about what you want to do and who you want to do it for. Second step is read as much as possible, watch as much as possible, listen to as much as possible. Then think about the strategy that you're going to be able to formulate to do it. And this is a traditional marketing strategy, right? So we're thinking about our ICP. Where does that ICP hang out? Who are the target people within that ICP? How are you going to reach out to them? What medias do you have to be present within? Blah, 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 right? Standard marketing strategy that comes along with that. And then you've actually got to get out there. So putting yourself on these podcasts, putting yourself into speaking positions, putting yourself um, into traditional media and traditional. Brand opportunities like with Forbes and Entrepreneur and Wired, and all of those opportunities being present on social media. And it takes, by the way, it's a lot of time. It's a full time job for you to fill that role. You've got to create all of the content. You've got to do all of the speaking. You've got to coordinate all of the stuff. It's not like someone's going to do this for you. You have to do it. Now, can people do this for you? Yes. But a lot of the original ideas that separate you as that thought leader, have to come from you. You can have someone help you wordsmith it, make it sound better, write the content for you, but the stuff that really is going to stick is the original ideas and the unique perspectives that you bring to the table as that leader. So the requirement to be able to do that is big. And then lastly, execute, right? Like everything comes down to execution. You've got to be able to actually deliver. And once you've delivered, you got to be able to follow up and say, okay, was this worth it? Like any kind of marketing that you would do, hmm. did this make sense? Did we actually get traction? Did we achieve the goals that we wanted to achieve? And it's not a short-term investment because you are building, this is part of your awareness strategy in a big way, is building that thought leadership within it's your awareness brand, strategy. basically, it's, right? It's all brand. All of it is brand. So
0: they're not, it's not like they're bringing in deals directly necessarily. Unless you're uh, buying an
1: existing thought leader, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're buying an existing thought leader, the introductions that they can make for you are probably pretty substantial. So you could probably generate a fair bit of business off of that. But if you're growing organically internally, it's going to take a long time. A Excellent. long time
0: don't say that don't say it that way (laughs) listen i want to be realistic
1: about this like some people come into like the conversations around seo for example some people come into conversations about seo and like three weeks later they're like how come i haven't ranked for this keyword yet and i'm like are you an idiot like the same we just had a conversation about this and the same thing happens with anything around brand it takes time
0: so is there a such thing as um. Thought leaders that aren't real, um, yeah. like thought leader personas where maybe a brand would say, like the Geico Gecko or something almost, where you say, let's have our mascot be a thought leader. Um, so maybe they aren't speaking at events and whatnot, but is that a whole different category of thing or, or is there a real thing where you have, oh, we have this AI thought that we're going to turn into our thought leader and then we actually do own it?
1: Yes, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call that a thought leader, but I definitely think that's a big part of like the brand building where we are, for example, building something like that right now for our content agency, because we want to be able to use an animated character in a bunch of different content to be able to express ideas that may be controversial that animated characters can get away with.
0: Oh, they can't get sorry. You can't cancel this person. They're an animated right. character. Right. Like, so,
1: <laughs> like, if we said something controversial about content or SEO or marketing in general, like, we said something not to say that we would ever say this, but we said something crazy like paid marketing is a waste of time. Right. Like, mm-hmm. if we said something crazy like that, if I said that, you'd be like, this guy is crazy. But if I had an animated character say that, it'd be like, oh, this is interesting. Let me read more about this animated character. The same way that many cartoons today can say things within the safety of being a cartoon. Because they're more no, of a- it's just a cartoon. Or comedians, for example, can say things within mm-hmm. the safety of being a comedian. So you could we say Bugs funny
0: actually has, is like an influential mascot because you've developed enough personality to the character- Right that they can say something within character and it actually is that character kind of
1: right like if you ever watch the show futurama mm-hmm. um, and you remember bender the robot bender said things that were totally out of line about alcoholism and all that kind of stuff but, but totally like, oh, in line for his character it's just bender the robot right, right. like that's what he says so when you think of it within that context, you're like, okay, we can utilize this. And by the way, this is being done in B2C marketing right now. It happens all the time. We're just late to the game in B2B. I
0: mean, you got what Spuds McKenzie, it's mascots with a uh, point of view um, sometimes. Yeah.
1: yeah, you got Popeye and the Green Giant and like all of these mascots that exist already that have existed since the beginning of time for like polar bears with coca-cola like what's polar bears got to do with coca-cola but as soon as you see a cute polar bear playing in the snow with a coke you're like oh i'd like a coke
0: that doesn't seem bad I doesn't mean,
1: seem like a bad idea
0: i'd like to get mauled by a polar bear trying to drink a coke <laughs> <laughs> for some reason you see that and you just don't think i would die um it, it yeah it seems cuddly and cute right exactly okay so Most of our listeners are not going out and buying an influencer. We're looking at the grow situation, I think, which is most of everybody out there. All companies are are not on the free agency market for uh for influencers. They're probably looking to grow, develop their own. So you kind of laid out a strategy here, positioning, absorbing information, then market it, market it, market, market, you know, push it all out there. You said something really early on to pick a position and go with it. And we're kind of talking about that with the mascots too. Um having the non-standard, non-best practices position um, that I suppose needs to be within brand and consistent and whatnot. But like, how does a company develop something like that if they don't only really have it internally? Is it just a marketing gimmick like the latest diet fad type thing? Like, oh, I need to write another book on diet. So let me come up with another variation of something to call some other weird thing for people to do with their eating habits.
1: No, I and this is this is where a lot of people sort of like stop with the thought leader idea is they're like, well, what if the thought leader says something that we don't agree with as a company? That's the risk. Right. And everyone says, well, that's not on brand. Well, what is on brand anyway? Like, and this is the argument that I have with a lot of traditional, older, more established companies like, oh, you didn't use our brand colors or our, our, you know, the font that we like to use or whatever it is. You're like, you're missing the point. The point is to be able to generate engagement. The point is to be able to generate conversation. The point is to be able to generate community out of this thought leader and to generate really a lot of speaking opportunities that that person's going to be involved in and, and all that stuff that comes with it and people get so hung up with the on-brand idea that they miss and then and then they try and mold that thought leader into the the brand that already exists but look the brand wasn't working in the first place anyway
0: well, and then That's they lead to another company because you're being a dick to them. Right. That's like, oh. why you
1: brought on the thought leader. You didn't br- bring the thought leader to fit your brand. You brought the thought leader to be able to drive engagement and community and conversation. That's why you've got them. So don't stifle them with, you know, all of these confines that you would put on them. Now, of course, there are things that we say and don't say. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there are things that. You know, are off the table. You don't want to have a conversation about race or gender or whatever it might be, anything that's like really poorly going to create a lot of diametric opposition between a bunch of different people. Or maybe if you're you're that kind of company, you do. And that's the conversation you that want is to your into. brand. Then okay. maybe that is your yeah. brand, but it's got to be you can't really put too many confines with on that thought leader because then you're, you're you're just trying to make something that that they're not so i mean you brought them on for a reason
0: yeah and then if if you're growing them it's internally it i mean it seems a little bit dangerous in that sense that the more of a thought leader they become the more power they have to influence things one way or another pretty quickly on a whim like maybe you got to make sure one you don't want to be drug testing your thought leader because again you'll piss them off and they'll leave but you also don't want your thought leader spinning off into some sort of bender and
1: yeah, look, they can't get up on the stage hammered, right? Like they're going to get up on a stage tanked and be mm-hmm. like, you should buy our stuff. And like, no, obviously not. Yeah. But so there's got to be some, you know, professional conduct rules, of course. But, you know, you can't tell them what to think. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's why so you have them. They're telling you, you what to think. hire them for
0: their position. That's right. Not hire somebody and then try to mold a position onto them. Exactly. Hmm. And I guess that's where, again, the founders make the best thought leaders because you Very can't tell so. yourself what to think and <laughs> you can go whatever direction you want when it's your, when it's your company. It seems like this is on one hand, one of the oldest things in marketing. Yeah. And then on the other side, there's so much new. It's like we make up these, oh we, now we have thought leaders and we have influencers and it's like, well, you we kind of always had that, but. Is there anything new coming in thought leadership? Like, what can we expect in the next ten years from from the thought leadership marketplace or from thought leaders? Is I think there, it's going to become
1: significantly coming? more popular in B two B. It's already very popular in B two C, but I think you're gonna there's going to be a lot more of it, obviously, especially with like the use of TikTok and things like that, where visual cues are so so important. Um, and also with new generations coming up, like anyone above the age of 35 has no idea who Charlie D'Amelio is, right? Like, but anyone under that age is like, whoa, she's amazing. So I think we're yeah, going to see a no lot more. Yeah, I have no idea who
0: Charlie D'Amelio is. <laughs>
1: yeah, she's, she's incredible. Um, and she's a TikTok star. But mm-hmm. she's also made significant brand deals. And she's an amazing influencer. And she's actually built like a really great, she's built herself into a really great brand and a really great product. Um, And I think we'll see more stuff like that happen in the B2B space. Um, And so I think it's going to become significantly more popular and significantly more important um, in order to be able to differentiate yourself because the noise is so substantial, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, especially if you think of traditional marketing efforts, you're competing, you know, neck and neck. And if your stuff isn't amazing and your content strategy isn't amazing, you're not going to get a page one rank. And then things are not going to happen for you anyway. Not to say that you shouldn't do that. You should obviously still do all of that stuff. It's still important, hmm. but you should so, also be thinking about how you can utilize things that B2C is comfortable with that we're not doing yet.
0: Is right now kind of a, uh, is this an untapped marketing area for, oh, yeah. I mean, not that people aren't doing it, but you know, there's a time when in any new platform, I consider influencers and thought leaders kind of a platform There's a time where it's undervalued. Uh, People just aren't in it yet. And then there's markets that are way oversaturated. You're like, man, your ROI for for that's going to be terrible because everybody's in it. That's what happens. It gets hot. Everybody jumps in. It's like this stock market roller coaster. And then it crashes. It's like, well, you got in late, so you lost everything. But this guy got in early, so he is a freaking billionaire now.
1: It's deeply undervalued in B2B. Hmm. You see some software companies doing it, but I think on... On the whole, it's grossly undervalued. Awesome. And no one's doing it it. well. (laughs) No one's doing it well. Mm. Like it may, may maybe one or two companies, but no one's doing it well.
0: Excellent. So a lot of opportunity, massive
1: opportunity, huge opportunity. But people don't want to do it because they're afraid.
0: mm. And well, I think that's where it gets to the founders then. Because so if you're a founder, a small business owner, and you, can take something like this on you have a huge opportunity because you don't have to be afraid of yourself yeah and you're developing yourself you don't be afraid it seems like the ideal situation
1: yeah and i mean look it's a five-year minimum investment before you start seeing substantial returns Mm -hmm. don't go into it thinking that you're going to do this for six months and then all of a sudden amazing things are going to happen right like if you're especially if you're growing organically like minimum five years so don't even don't even bother if you're not willing to invest that amount of time.
0: You talk about the marketing of it. So let's say you have a a small business owner. They want to invest in this. They think they need to. Their their industry is maybe commoditizing or already is. Um, and we kind of went over the steps of here's what you need to do. But if they want to get on a path, are there companies that can do this for them? Like, does your company do this? Do you? Help people grow. We can
1: help thought leaders that already exist within your business develop content and we can write that content for them with their ideas, but we cannot help you develop a thought leader within your business. That's something that organically needs to happen. Now, if you want to buy a thought leader or rent an influencer, sure, we can probably help coordinate that for you in some sort of capacity. But if you're looking to grow organically, it really is an internal process that you have to take on.
0: I'd imagine there's business coaches out there, maybe that could specialize in something like this, like coaching you totally. to be a
1: thought leader. Totally, but don't. But then don't hire a business coach that isn't already a thought leader within the <laughs> business coaching world, because they have no idea how to do it. Otherwise,
0: mm, interesting, interesting. So (laughs) it gets a weird catch-22 situation. Well, if I'm going to hire, then I'm just hiring a thought leader, and now we're eating our own tail.
1: Don't be afraid to copy the steps that other people have taken, right? I mean, if you you find out that there is someone in your industry that you really, really respect that is a thought leader that actually is driving a lot of value for the industry, buy that person as many meals as possible Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to try and understand how they did what they did. Hopefully at
0: events where people see you guys together. and That's right. Exactly. That so you off. can piggyback over <laughs> it. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. I got, I feel like there's so many more questions I want to ask, but um, we're, we're starting to run out of time here. I think we did a lot of good coverage for, um, for this, uh, for people on this. I do want to make sure we get to you and your company a bit, Mark. We just been bowling straight through this. So for the it's listeners, can you, uh, yeah, I love it. I love it when this happens. Um, can you tell us one how did Mark, how did Mark Rafan become Mark Rafan? Like, uh, like, where'd you come from? What's your background? You've got this, this, this negotiation ninja thing going. You have, um, uh, you know, you have your content company. How did you get into this business?
1: Uh, five years ago, I started negotiations ninja, and as all good st- stories start, they it started in a bar. Um, with good friends, where I said, uh, hey, listen, I'm really pissed off that there's no great negotiation podcasts out there, no great negotiation content. And as all good friends do, they said, well, stop bitching about it, like do something about it, make something happen. So I did. I had uh, several more beers and decided to go onto Amazon that night and bought way too much stuff that I didn't need. And the next day started writing a lot of negotiation content and speaking a lot about negotiation Um, And then that negotiation podcast and blog became a training company. And now we deliver training to some of the largest organizations on the planet. And then two years ago, I came up with the idea of like, well, if we can build a company on content, I'm pretty sure we can build another company on content. What if we could do it for lots of other companies? So that's where the idea of content callout came, where we're a B2B content marketing firm. And we thought if we could do it for ourselves, we could probably do it for other people. And so we started that and now we're two years in and we've got an amazing list of customers that we love, love, love very deeply. And we produce all of their content um, and show, not develop, show their thought leadership expertise to the world. Hmm. Um, And that's- So it actually
0: came from the negotiation side first. Very much so.
1: Yeah, Hmm. very much so.
0: And so, now, now this is where we are. This is what we do. But you aren't just a guy who like watched was at a bar and they had the negotiator with who's in that? Not Wesley Snipes. Oh, I want to get in trouble for saying this. Samuel Jackson, Kevin Spacey, right. and you. And you're like, hey, I want to get into that business. <laughs> I got to negotiate. Um, <laughs> like you actually have skills in the. Negotiation, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. All of my career has been in procurement and sales, um, enterprise level procurement and sales. I've done that pretty much my entire life. Um, and my experience has pretty much been in and around negotiations my entire career. And hmm. so I took that knowledge that I already had and leveraged it further and learned a lot more. Learned it from people that are amazing, you know, people that are had really started this industry and started this business, guys like Herb Cohen. You know, who's now like 88, 89, um, wrote an amazing book called You Can Negotiate Anything. And those kinds of people have been the ones that I now stand on the shoulders of, giants within the industry that have paved the way for a lot of our success.
0: All right. So this episode is about thought leadership, but let's give one, um, one tip for the listeners on negotiation. What's hmm. the number one thing when negotiating and maybe it's, I mean, again, it's not like it's a hostage negotiation here. We're probably talking about something related with sales or selling a business or buying a business or hiring somebody or let's say you're negotiating a contract with an influencer. (laughs) What's like the, uh, a key thing that people can take away to, you know, either make sure you do or, or watch out for.
1: I'll give you three things. Number one, know what you need and want. Most people go into negotiations having no idea what they actually want to get out of the negotiation. And when people say, oh, I want to get a good deal, that's what I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> What does that actually mean?
0: Right. That means Those you people
1: have no idea.
0: You have no information going in. Good right. deal. You're hoping the other side knows what it is and will tell you.
1: Right. So what does a good deal look like? What does the price look like? What does the what are the terms look like? What are the limitations of liability look like? What is the contract? Like all of that stuff. Know what you need and know what you want. Then is that research? That, is
0: that just kind of like knowing
1: like hey, yeah, what is really this just thing thinking deeply about normally, what you want what to you get expect. out of it? And also hmm. doing market research to be able to determine, are, are my needs and wants actually aligned with the market? Am I totally out of whack? Right. Do, will I actually get what I need and want? Is what I'm asking for totally insane? Hmm. Right? Like, Make sure that you clarify that before you do anything. Then ask the counterparty, the person who you're negotiating with, what does she need or want? out of the deal, right? Like, what do you want out of this? And if they say a good deal, you got them. (laughs) Well, like, and and get clarity on what a good deal looks like for them because they may not even know what a good deal looks like for them because you want to try and drive for a mutually beneficial outcome. And then the third thing that you've got to do whenever you go into a negotiation is to be able to determine where you're going to walk away because there's a range of acceptable outcomes that we can have on what we may need or want out of the deal. But what if we get way lower than that, but we get wrapped up in the emotion of it, and we're like, well, I've got to hire her. She's amazing. She's wonderful. But then the deal doesn't work because you're going way beyond what you should have gone, or way beyond what you can afford, and you can't do it anyway. Know where you're willing to walk away. If with Mm -hmm. those three things, you're going to be okay in most of your negotiations. Now there's way more to it than that, but with those three things, you'll, you'll be okay.
0: I'd love the, uh, the willing to walk away part. I'm like, well, if you're not willing to walk away, it's not a negotiation. That's <laughs> like, right. It's just not anymore. Then
1: yeah, um, yeah, you that, you're taking an order at that point. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Um, okay. Fantastic. Now, let's jump back really quick here to your company. We've talked more about negotiation, all this stuff and building influence, but your company is a content company. That's what you guys are doing. So uh, for the listeners, can you tell them kind of what you guys do over there and who you do it for and what you could do for them?
1: we do b2b content marketing so what does that mean for you it means blog posts white papers case studies videos social media content infographics all of that kind of stuff that comes within the whole context of content marketing we do it for mid-market and enterprise companies so generally companies that earn over 50 million a year and up those are the kinds of companies that we work with If you're at all interested in content marketing or you want to try something new when it comes to a great content marketing vendor, reach out to me. I'd be happy to help you um, look into what that looks like. And I've got a special gift for your listeners, Sky. If they are one of those companies, if they work for one of those companies that are mid-level or enterprise companies, and they say, hey, I want to try this Mark guy out, he seems sort of interesting, we'd be happy to produce a free 1,000-word custom-tailored blog post for you to see what it's like.
0: It's what you guys do, right? It's what we do. And now, if you're a one man shop, don't approach Mark and ask him for a blog thing. If if people aren't talking to you about, you know, investing in your business or buying it, then you haven't reached the level where uh, they're going to give you a free blog post. Unf- but... <laughs> Unfortunately, not. <laughs> That's for he's a, he's a negotiator for God's sakes. Don't try to pull one over on on Mark. He's <laughs> a ninja. He'll chop your head off. Negotiations over. All right. Well, Mark, thank you for coming on the show. I thank think you this for having is, me. Uh, this has been great. We'll have, of course, more information on Mark on the uh, on the show notes for this episode at Uh His LinkedIn link there, content. I got to make sure I'm getting this right. Contentcallout.com. Um, you can go for, for his company. They've got the Content Callout podcast, the Negotiation Ninjas podcast. Again, all these links will be on the show notes. Um, you can probably Google and the stuff will just pop up. Uh, this guy is a uh, thought leader and I'm sure his info is out there everywhere. And uh, let me see again, if for the show notes and links and all that stuff on Mark Buffon. And I want to thank the listeners for for sharing us, for giving us reviews, all those kind of th- good things. And on behalf of the If You Market team and Mark Buffon of Content Callout, thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it with thought leadership, they will come.